Saturday, March 23, year 2013. Fibber is the Grand Marshal because the Grand Marshal has to ride a horse and they have a horse named Lillian, of course. Of course, there is a horse. And no one can talk to a horse, of course, unless, of course, I miss that line all the time. A horse, it's the famous, is Mr. Ed. It, the horse is Mr. Ed, yes. All right, let me see. Sent here, sent here. Sometimes Hotmail is not a good choice because you can't access it as well as you can other stuff. Don't go away. Please say, oh, my goodness, I could do this. Silly me. Download. Don't go away, Walden. Are you with us? I would never abandon my Patricia. Oh, I know. You're so good. We've been together um, such a long time. Yeah, I need to know how to type numbers. Because you're right. It's 1942. Oh, that's what you sent it to me and I looked up the ones you sent me and there it was. And there it was. It is 1942. And that's when Lillian makes... appeared. Lillian appeared in March of 42. So it makes uh -huh. sense. It makes sense. That you are so right. I was just going to say it makes a whole lot of sense because not very long after the war did Fibber and Molly get a horse. And the horse is Lillian. Fibber gets to head the annual parade because the person who is the leader has to be on a horse. And of course, of course, they have a horse. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you a question when we come back. And because you know all of your Fibber McGee and Molly shows backward and forward, I know you're going to have the answer to Alrighty. this. All right. So here we go. Spring Festival Parade. From April 14, 1942, which I should have gotten correct in the first time. And we'll be back in about half an hour. Here we go. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Makers of Johnson's Wax and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn, with songs by the King's Men and music by Billy Mills Orchestra. The show opens with Blow, Gabriel, Blow. Day set aside to mark the friendly relationship and active cooperation of the 21 nations of North and South America. We salute those allies and friends. More power to them. 
By the way, did you know that one of the chief ingredients of Johnson's wax and Johnson's glow coat comes from South America, from Brazil? Yes, one of the principal exports from Brazil to this country is carnauba wax, obtained from the carnauba palm tree. In Johnson's products, this is skillfully blended with other ingredients to produce a polish that gives long-wearing protection and greater beauty to your floors, furniture, and linoleum. So every time you polish these with Johnson's wax products, you not only protect them and save yourself work, but you also contribute to the mutually beneficial trade between this country and Brazil. coincidence, it's April in Wistful Vista, as it is in so many other places. And this is the day of the spring festival and parade. There's a tradition that all parades must be led by a man on a white horse. And Mr. McGee is the only man in town who owns a white horse. Guess who's going to be Grand Marshal? And here at the costumers, waiting to get their parade outfits, we find Bibber McGee and Molly. <laughs> This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson Wax Finishes for Home and Industry, inviting you to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This program came to you from Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company. April 14th, 1942. Dear Lord, thank you for the opportunity of being here. What's our listeners, supporters of the station? Help the country. Help our leaders who guide us, Lord. Help the homeless and the needy and the poor. Help those who go through physical pain and loss of family. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Okay. We'll be right back. Everybody's making money, but you can't ski. 
John for Windows is ready. Welcome to Carolyn Grimes. Oh, Carolyn Grimes. Jim Taylor. Jeff Silver. Phone number. Favorites. Drag. All. Change. Contact. List. Bill Brad. Online. Bill. Brad. Three. Three of Ivan Pure. Jerry Head. Jimmy Will. Kansas. Michael. Bowling. Reps. Timbo. Plus one. Bill Brad. Cynthia. Dennis R. Frank Receive. Jeff Silver. Jim Taylor. K.A. Carolyn. Carolyn Grimes. Patricia Hewitt, phone number, went applications, send SMS, invite the group call. Enter, Walton Hughes created a group conversation, show group conversation, cancel, okay. Nobody's home. They are. Nobody's home. There we go. (laughs) And we're back. Hello, Patricia. Hello, Walton. I have your question for you. You do. Because I know you didn't listen to the show. You sneaked off and got a snack and stuff like that there. Well, I figured you were going to put me on the spot. I figured well, a, I am. I, I figured a way how to listen to the show. So oh. I, 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 I took my house phone and I called my studio number. And then while I was walking around the kitchen, I had the portable phone and I listened to most of the show. So you called yourself. Aren't you a smarty pants? So I had a figure you were going you were gonna, you were gonna to pick on your adorable. I, and I gave you fair warning, yeah. and look at what you did. I, All right, I, here's your question. Yeah. What color is Lillian? Well, her offspring is black and white, so I'm assuming black and white. Nope, and it was specified in this show. Hmm. must have been mm. one part, and I was basically trying to hook up the phone. Uh, Lillian, probably white. Lillian is white, yes. And the parade had to be, every year the parade has to be. Riding on a white horse. A man riding on a white horse. Oh, you're smart. Oh, that's how come Lillian got to be white. You're so smart. No, I'm not. I'm just sneaky and I gotcha. You are so smart. This is good. I'm I'm glad you're my bud. Yeah, I'm your bud. You're yeah, I'm, I'm your bud. Yeah. Would you like some spring information? I would love anything because I'm wide awake. We can go for the next four hours, just you and I. Right, well, no, we can't. We can't? No, we can't. I'm flagging. You are? I'm flagging. Yes, it has not been a pleasant week. Well, that's not true. Every week is a pleasant week. Just been a little tiring. Well, you have stuff. you have stuff to do. I had stuff happening, yeah, yeah, and I didn't even ask for it, boy. I know. Yeah. But you're still here. I'm still here, That's yeah. Right. You're stuck with me. That's true. Okay. The first day of spring, even though National Geographic will argue about a couple of minutes here and a couple of minutes there, the essence of locating the correct day depends on when you have exactly 12 hours of sunlight and exactly 12 hours of night-night. All right. Okay. And that's how, the, that's how the vernal equinox is determined. And when the vernal equinox happens, so does spring. And I, I think that's how the Easter and Passover are determined based upon something 
Something with the moon. Yeah. Yeah. It has something to do with the moon. The first moon after the something or other after the something or other. And I should know that. Next week I'll have it because next week is Easter. Yep. Okay. So there are two equinoxes because, of course, it's an equi on both ends. Hold on, hold on. Let me ask you, what's an equinox? That means half light? It means a quarter. Equinox is a quarter. So we have the um, the summer solstice and the winter solstice. Those are opposite each other. And then we have the spring equinox and the autumnal equinox. Why don't we come? Why don't they, why aren't they all solstice or all equinox? Because they're not. Why, why not? isn't everybody called Walden? Well, well, we're all human beings. Yeah. Well, all right. You look that up for next week. <laughs> oh man, am I hot tonight? So, the, you okay. Solstice so, so or what? Is that the winter and equinox? Is that the winter yeah. and summer? Winter and summer solstice. And I guess that's me, they're doing that because they're opposite, and the spring and fall are opposite. I guess. And okay. spring and fall are opposite. Okay. Yes. So we've got vernal and autumnal equinox, and summer and winter solstice. Okay. And when you look it up... I've never studied it either, so this ain't my bag of tricks, you know. Well, that's all the more important that you look it up and learn. Oh, okay. Oh, why is Patricia today? Oh, oh, I should start writing these down. All right, hold on. Paul has to... Check on liver. <laughs> All is liver. Walden. Can you do me a big favor then? What? Can you send me an email spelling the word equinot and salsa? That make it easier sure. for me to find it. I would be most happy to do okay. that. I would be most happy to do that. Okay. The Easter Lily capital of the world is in California. It actually lies along the border of California and Oregon, and it produces 95% of all the Easter lily bulbs. Wow. And that comes out to $11 million for the potted Easter lily market. Wow. So we've got 11 million Easter bulbs out there. Okay. All right. Yeah. Let me see. Very calm. Approximately 1,800 of the world's 10,000 bird species are long-distance migrants. They do long-distance. It's not just like New York to Florida. This is big-time stuff halfway pretty, around the world. That's a pretty big trip, though. It is. New York it to is. Florida. But in bird standards, some of them fly halfway around the world. Do they really? Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let's see. Arbor Day. You'll love this one. Arbor Day when, when you plant trees mm -hmm. and stuff. That's in Nebraska. <sighs> you knew that already. Yep, I knew that one. Do you, re huh? do you remember what year? 31. I mean, you wouldn't remember. 31, maybe? No, 1872. Wow. I would have thought like, around World War II or pre-World yeah, War II. Yeah. But all the way back in 1872. Yeah. Let's see. Okay, this one's for Dan. I wanted, average... that, I wanted that because of Johnny Appleseed. I don't know. It's just a thought. Well, Johnny Appleseed planted apple trees. Right. And he had a whole different... It, this is a group 
that started Arbor Day. You want to look that one up too? <laughs> Which, <laughs> all right, hold on. I'll have pity. I'll... <laughs> well, since it's Nebraska. Spell it for me. Send it to my way. I'll look it up. No, I'll look it up right now. The History of Arbor Day. The Arbor Day Foundation. Let's see what's coming up here. Don't go away. <laughs> I, I think I seem to remember performing the Nebraska City, Nebraska. And I think John Denver used to do the radio commercial for him. Uh, it would be so nice if they actually allowed me Arbor Day, the history of Arbor Day. Let's see what this one is. Arbor Day Foundation Graphics and History. We do not want graphics. <laughs> Don't go away. Don't go away. I'm not going anywhere. No, you. you never do. You no. just hang in there with me. Mm -hmm. All right. The holiday. It originated in Nebraska City, Nebraska. I was right about that, yeah. J. Sterling Morton was started by him. Mm -hmm. The first Arbor Day was held on April 10th, 1872. Now, did I just say 1870? Yeah, 1870. Yeah, you're right. You're okay. Right. All right. An estimated one million trees were planted on that day. Whew. Now, let's see about the origin. Um, Belgium, oh man, see, Pennsylvania, we don't want Pennsylvania, we want stuff, why these people decided to run around and plant trees, now there's something from a university, can we trust universities? Uh, depending on which one. Um, looks like Ohio State. That's in the Big Ten, that's okay. Oh no, 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 well yes it is, hold on, let me see what comes up. And it comes up. Oh, the it's an Ohio government, so it's the state website. The idea for Arbor Day originally came from Nebraska. Visit to Nebraska today, yeah, yeah, yeah. Among the pioneers, you know, don't you just people love to write? Among pioneers moving into the Nebraska territory in 1854 was J. Sterling Morton from Detroit. He and his wife were nature lovers, and the home they established in Nebraska were quickly, was quickly planted with trees, shrubs, and flowers. Morton was a journalist and soon became editor of Nebraska's first newspaper. Boy, you guys really lucked out here, huh? Yeah, well, you know. Nah, you were, you were a special state. That's how come they wound up there. Well, uh, you know, uh, we also, that's interesting. So a newspaper guy, you know, we also had another famous newspaper writer who ran for president of the United States three different times from the day in Nebraska. Horace Greeley? No. Oh, no, he went to Colorado, didn't he? Mm -hmm. um, he was known as the Silver Ton Orator. Oh, William Jennings Bryan? That's right. And you told us that before. Yep, he was a newspaper I, guy from Nebraska. And I just remembered. I didn't know he was a newspaper man. Same mm -hmm. on me. Okay, so we're talking about Morton. He spread agricultural information and his enthusiasm for trees to an equally enthusiastic audience. All of the pioneers missed the trees of their homelands. Ooh, isn't that interesting? But more important, trees were needed as windbreds, or probably windbreakers, to keep soil from blowing 
and for fuel and building materials. So that's where it started. On January 4, 1872, Morton first proposed a tree planting holiday to be called Arbor Day. Arbor is a tree. And that was at the state meeting of the Board of Agriculture. Uh, the date was set for April 10th. Prizes were offered. Arbor Day was officially proclaimed by the young states. Oh, yeah, it's a young state. I, I thought you know, maybe young governor. No, no it, it was. Nebraska yeah, became young a state. state. It, it just looked like a screwy sentence to yeah. me. Nebraska um, became a state in 1869, three years earlier. Mm-hmm. So, um, Governor Robert Furness, on March 12, 1874, declared Arbor Day, and that's where it came from. Oh, great job. Yeah. Nice people, and look what it has done for us. Millions and millions and millions of trees. That was nice. That was a very nice thing he did. Thanks to the state of Nebraska. Thanks to the state of, well, thanks to somebody who was in the state of Nebraska. Well, no, that's not really true because the governor did sign it into uh, yeah. officials. It was official. A bunch of Nebraskans went and planted trees on that day and it just took off. That's all. It just took off. Everybody picked up on it, which is easier to do when you have a newspaper. <laughs> and you can put all of this stuff in a newspaper. It's easier for people to pick it up. Okay, this is for Dan. Are you listening, Dan? The average date for the last frost around Indiana is April 17th. Now, this is a guy who's, who lives in Indiana and added a note, but my grandmother always said not to put too delicate of a plant in the ground until after Mother's Day, which is kind of foolish because Mother's Day changes every year, too. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, but most of it. Traditionally, Mother's Day maybe. Is it? I guess second Sunday of the month uh, in May, I mm -hmm. think, right? Yeah. Mhm. Mm that sounds right. And from this poor guy, he said, "Spring comes when my mailbox stops getting knocked over by snow plows." <laughs> and poor guy. So, anyhow, that's my story. So, what would you like next? Up to you. What would you like to do? You want to? Top out dolphins? Mm, no, <laughs> because those poor things. Oh, let me run through. I probably should have done this. I started, and then the phone started ringing. Mm -hmm. The shows that I have, I, I went through some of my stacks today and pulled out some things that people have not asked for recently. Right. So and you're I down did. To the Black Museum. You're right. I got down to the Black Museum, and who grabbed that, Bob? Bob. <clears throat> was that Bob who wanted it? Okay, then we have Challenge of the Yukon with Sergeant Preston. I can't remember the last time somebody asked for that. Right. We have Chandu the Magician, Chandu, Comic Weekly Man. He and his little companion read the newspaper or the uh, comics, the yep. Sunday comics. I think her name was Honey when we played one a few weeks ago on the Friday Night Show. Yeah, Did it's you? fun. It's fun. It, it is, and there are a lot of shows there. It's a big, big file. It's a big file. The guy who played Nick Carter, Long Clark, with the comic Weekly Man. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, the, the shows, the files, are quite large, so the quality is pretty good, mm -hmm. the sound quality. So if you want to hear 
about the comics that ran. This was in the 1950s. Do I have that correct? From 47 into the mid-50s, yep. Oh, goody. Oh, man, I'm starting to remember. Now, this one is kind of unusual. Dark Shadows was a television show that just grabbed people. They started it as just a, a temporary filler, right. and people latched onto it. Um, Barnabas, Barnabas, hmm, can't even remember the guy's last name. I didn't, I didn't watch it, listen to it, just see reruns or anything, so I'm kind of out in the cold here. But anyway, I have the audios to the Dark Shadows shows, and the, the scripts were so good that you can listen to these and follow the story. You don't necessarily need the video on it. So, anybody who would like Dark Shadows, and I pretend I don't have that one, um, you're not going to find it easily. So if you'd like that one, then we have Dimension X and Escape, the, and I guess you'd call that an adventure show. Uh-huh. Yeah, and good, really good. Frontier Gentlemen, people haven't asked for that recently. I do have Fu Manchu, The Adventures of Fu Manchu. Gangbusters, I had a recent request for Gangbusters, so maybe that's not a good one to put in there. Great Gildersleeve. I can't remember the last time somebody asked for Gildy. Can you? It's been a little while. It's been quite a while. Halls of Ivy. Great show. Nobody asked, and the in the western area have gun will travel. <clears throat> we go on spurts with that. Everybody wants it, and then nobody wants it. Right. Hop along, Cassidy. We've got Hoppy. Um, what else have we got here? Information, please. Jingles. I have old time radio jingles and advertising. Uh, Journey into Space, I've only got some of those. They are covered, you know, they're, they're for sale ones, so I don't have a whole lot of that, but kind of interesting. Life with Luigi, we had two requests for Luigi, and I opened the files. I've got more than 130 shows. So if you like Life with Luigi, give me a holler. Lone Ranger, when was the last time somebody asked for the Lone Ranger? It's been a couple years, I think. Forever, yeah. absolutely forever. Rocky Jordan was an adventure show. Where was that located? Egypt. Near the near the Casbah. Yeah. Uh, it was in Egypt. Egypt, okay. somewhere Casbah. Yeah. In and Rocky Rocky owned a bar. Mm-hmm. And it was really a well done show. Rogers of the Gazette. Great show. Roy Rogers. Great show. Superman. Mm-hmm. Tales of the Texas Rangers. Mm-hmm. I've got oodles of theater and drama shows. Voyage of the Scarlet Queen. Nobody's asked for that forever. Scarlet Queen was a catch, a 78-foot catch that sailed the Pacific seas from port to port. Elliot Lewis played Captain Philip Carney. And gosh, it was a well-done show. I mean, it was... It was superb. I, I can't say anything except superb. It was nautically correct. The um, All of the destinations were plotted out correctly. The action was so good, and the stories were so unusual. So somebody has to ask for the voyage of the Scar- Scarlet Queen. I've got Wild Bill Hickok. I don't think anybody has ever asked for Wild Bill Hickok, and that's a pretty good show. Mm-hmm. That's got jingles, 
and World War II and history. I haven't sent any of that out recently, and I do have a nice music collection, um, especially World War II era. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. That's a lot of shows that nobody's asked for. Terrific. Good stuff. And next week I will have more that nobody asked for. <laughs> okay, well, that was your Stump Walden question. You found out what color Lillian was. Oh. You did good. Oh. All right. Are you ready for the rest? You bet. Okay. Um, they helped you with that. Okay, but I've got a second baseball question for you. Um, how about your brain teaser? Sure. We'll take them in order tonight. Sure. A peacock does not lay eggs. So where do the baby birds come from? They're live birds, I guess. Not from a bird. Well... There's probably a live bird birth somewhere. Mm -mm. Not true. Good guess, but not true. So are you tell me a penguin? <laughs> no. Penguin lays eggs. How do we know? I mean, why would a penguin sit on a cold block of ice? They don't. They sit on an egg. Penguins are really kind of cute. Um, the the males court the females by bringing rocks, mm -hmm. and rocks are not easy to come by. In the Antarctic, they they it, it's just hard to come by rocks. So the male penguins bring rocks to the females as gifts, and if she takes the rocks and makes a circle, that means she has accepted this male penguin as her mate. And that's where they raise their their little chicky. Huh. That's her territory. That's huh. that's the penguins' territory in okay. this little circle. Okay. And they're pretty well tightly packed. Mm -hmm. And they have to protect their rocks because sometimes other penguins come up and they try <laughs> to steal the rocks. I mean, they're so precious that the, they sort of get out of hand, you know. <laughs> so they try to steal the rocks. But penguins lay eggs. And the mommy and the daddy, I guess, no, the mommy is the only one that sits on that egg. So she's pretty hungry by the time the chickie hatches. So, okay, a peacock does not lay eggs. Well, I have Where no, did it be? I have no idea. Well, a peacock is a male. A peahen is the female. Oh, okay. So a peacock cannot lay eggs, but a peahen lays eggs. Okay. Okay. How about that? Very good. Well, that's part of our, I'll put that on our education list. You bet. All right. Um, your presidential quote. If you want to make enemies, try to change something. That ain't the truth. It is. Um, I guess any president could have uh, said that one. Jimmy Carter. Nope. Farther back. Further back. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Further back. Abraham Lincoln. Not quite. Uh -huh. <laughs> Not quite that far. Woodrow Wilson. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was a very wise person. He doesn't get an awful lot of visibility, but he did some interesting things. So that was in a speech in Detroit in July of 1916. Okay, your presidential question. Oh, I'm sure you know this one. I'm looking at this and say, oh, of course you know it. Which president and his wife spoke Chinese to each other when they didn't want others to know what they were talking about? Uh, would that be George and Barbara Bush? No. Richard and Pat Nixon? Nope. That was a good guess because he was over in China. Yeah. No. I don't know. Most unusual, Herbert Hoover. Oh. He and his wife lived in China before he, before he became president. And yeah. while he was there, they learned to speak Mandarin Chinese and several, several Chinese languages. Yeah, I think that's where he made a fortune because he was the, uh, ran the construction mine or mining or something over in China. That's mm. very good. So... I thought that was really an interesting. We'll put that one in our educational column for tonight, too. Can you imagine? I mean, Chinese is a very difficult language to learn. So much of it depends on the inflection. So you'll get the same sound. If I say A, it will mean one thing. If I say A, it means another thing. So the inflections make all the difference in the world. So it, it really is an extremely difficult language. And boy, I guess they just hopped in there. Okay, I have a second baseball question for you. Ha, you thought you were going to get away with one, right? Yeah. Okay. Since the first rule books were issued for the National League in 1877, how many years has the rule book not been changed? Um, a hundred. It has never been changed. It, uh, ah, excuse me. Okay. It has been changed every single year. Wow. It has never not been wow, changed. I never knew that. Very interesting. I thought so, too. Very there's, a, there's a little comment here. A particularly vexing problem is comparing players from different eras. One complicating factor is that the baseball rule book has changed every year since the rule book for, was first issued in 1877. Wow. So each time you compare a player, let's say from 1945 to a player from 1955, the rules have changed. So how do you compare them? You get to guess. <laughs> you get guess, yep. You just yeah. guess. Well, I, I guess it's pretty close, but I mean, Babe Ruth is an, an excellent example with home runs that counted, home runs that didn't count, bases that counted, bases that didn't count. Most people so, think it's easier to compare baseball than any other sport, because generally, generally the rules are a lot closer than they are in other sports. Yeah. Well, I suppose in football, yardage is yardage. There are some things that can be measured, but I don't know. What else do you measure in, in foot in that thing with the elliptical ball? That baseball thing? That elliptical thing that they call a ball that so, they kick around the field. What kinds of 
statistics do they measure? I mean, football? Mm hmm Field goals, extra points. But they can't show me the rules how to play defense and how to play offense. That's why it's more of a drastic change than it's just the points. That's why at least baseball is a lot more stable. Well, how about comparing player to player? It's harder, I think, in football than it is in other and football, basketball is in other sports. They they measure things like um, yards returned. Uh huh. They do all and, that. But the players are and, bigger, stronger, and faster, and stuff like that. There. Hmm. And it's harder. I guess. I guess it would be. I, mm -hmm. I would guess in any sport, especially the professional sports, because the rules change so often. That's why sometimes I like to compare players in their own generation. Who was the player in this generation? Mm-hmm. And what is the generation then? Um... I mean, everything makes it so complicated. Sometime, sometime a decade. For that decade, who was the best player in the 20s or the 30s or the 40s? You know, generation to what, normally 20 years, but probably sports life maybe 10. Also complicated. Uh, life is so easy when you don't play. And you don't want to play, and you don't want to talk about it, and you don't talk F-words. See how easy life is? Uh-huh. Are we going to abide by that? Um, abide by what? No talk? No F-words? No F-words? Well, I try so hard. I know you do. But we're not successful, are we? I, I noticed. I know the concern is hard. <laughs> <it's> hard. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight was an exception. I tried to get it all out. Now that's that's our springtime. That's spring cleaning. That's true. We we went through spring cleaning tonight. So where is Charles? He's gone to bed. Boy, he's always picking on me, and I was so good tonight too. You were. You were. Yeah. You were. Okay. Would you like some superstitions or? Um, Disneyland pet boarding or oh, I know what I've got. Got some really nifty stuff. Let me see what was on our list tonight. We have, we have, we did the nominations. Um, I have useless but fun information, but I've got goofy headlines, and some of them are pretty good. And superstitions and a couple of other things. Let me see where the goofy headlines are. Goofy, goofy, goofy headlines. Okay, headlines. Do, 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 do. Okay, some of these are really tragic, but they're all stupid. Um, one of the British newspapers about Princess Diana, uh -huh. the headline was, Diana was still alive hours before she died. Oh. I mean, well, of course she was alive before she died. Yeah. Dopey. Yeah. Um, okay, marijuana issues sent to a joint committee. I thought that was, was pretty good. Um, it says, illiteracy and obstacles, study finds, except they misspelled the word obstacle. In the headline, it's, you know, oh, dear me. Okay. Um, this is a garden column. Right. And the, the headline or the title is, bugs flying around with wings are flying bugs. Huh. I like that one. Um, homicide victims rarely talk to police. 
Yeah, that's true. I'd say that's a pretty definite statement. That, that, that's, I, you know, that's, if we're talking truth, yeah, yeah. this is good. Homicide <laughs> <laughs> victims rarely talk to police. Hello. Um, okay, here's another one. Mississippi's literacy program shows improvement. They misspelled literacy. I thought they said they misspelled Mississippi. Oh, excuse me. They did spell misspelled Mississippi. <laughs> they forgot an ISS in there. Yep. Mississippi's. M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I, right? Right, but they left out an I-S-S in there, so it's M-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. They left out the middle of their own state. Isn't that cool? All right. (laughs) Homeless survive winter. Now what? That's the title. Okay. Now now this one, you've got to scratch your head, Walden. The title is, Statistics Show That Teen Pregnancy Drops Off Significantly After Age 25. Go figure. I don't know. I don't know. Let me see here. 17 remain dead in morgue shooting spree. 17 remain dead in the morgue. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one I love. Worker suffers leg pain after Crane drops 800-pound ball on his head. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and this one, bridges help people cross rivers. So help me, that's a headline. Right, that's pretty good. I thought so. <laughs> Breaking news, yeah. I have to read the first paragraph of this one, but it says, Meathead resigns. <laughs> The head of the federal agency overseeing meat and poultry inspections, and they called him a meathead or the head of the meat. I just, I don't know. All right. (laughs) Man accused of killing lawyer receives a new attorney. Isn't that good? All right. Um, You know what a DUI is, driving under the influence. Okay. A man with eight DUIs blames a drinking problem. Well, at least he's right about that. That'll that'll work, yeah. Um, city unsure why the sewer smells. These are true. These are honestly, I've got the clippings right in front of me. Um, that one's Bridges. Okay. Um, meeting on open meetings is closed. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty accurate. Meeting of open meetings are closed. That's pretty hard to yeah. do. As well, you know, I mean, they're meeting and trying to make a decision about open meetings, but the meeting is closed. <sighs> Go figure. Okay. Study shows, oh, we don't want to do, well, yeah, <laughs> whatever. This is, a, we've, it's, it's a family show, but it's adults, right? Uh-huh. Study shows frequent sex enhances pregnancy chances. Well, duh. Uh. You know? <laughs> duh. Uh, okay. Parents keep kids home to protest school closure. That's pretty good. You know, I mean, hard to send a kid off to school when the school's closed. That's pretty good. Right. But they're keeping kids home mm-hmm. from some of the other schools to protest that the schools yeah. are closing. Doesn't make sense. All right. Now, Larry and um, John have to help me with this. Okay. Barbershop singers bring joy to school for the deaf. Yeah, that's a question for them to ask. You bet. I don't know. I don't know. There, there's no one signing. Sometimes a person who signs, the you know, the, the lyrics, yes. 
is there, but it doesn't look like anybody but the singers are standing there. Okay, <laughs> this one I love. New sick policy requires two-day notice. You cannot get sick without <laughs> no, a two-day two notice. notice. Yeah. Okay. The total lunar eclipse will be broadcast live on Northwood's public radio. They're oh, broadcasting okay. an eclipse on the radio. On yeah. The radio. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Caskets found as workers demolish mausoleum. Well, I hope so. It'd be something. Like I, you know, it's nice that that's what they found. Um, <laughs> rally against apathy draws a small crowd. <laughs> That one's good. Miracle cure kills fifth patient. Well, isn't that the old saying? The, the cure was successful, but the patient wound up being dead anyway. You know, yeah. 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 Well, I, I guess I if cured, I... I killed the disease, but I killed the patient. Yeah. Right. Right. I, I guess if I were... If I, I, if I were up against something and I didn't have anything else, I might consider a miracle cure, even at risk, because I was going to die anyway. Well, you know, I've often sort of thought that was interesting, a lot of these experimental drugs that they're really the FCC or the federal federal drug are very careful, especially when they're like cancer or AIDS or something related. I mean, I'm really surprised how strict they are, because you would think... I people, am too. You know, I, I agree. Yeah, I've always been surprised. Yep. I wonder if part of their concern is that doctors tend to use medications, what they call off-label, for things other than what they're approved for. And, in, but, you know, still, they, they approve for one disorder. And if the doctor miswrites, then that's a doctor problem, not a medication problem. So I agree with you. you down to the wire and... What have you got to lose? Why are we waiting two years before the thing's even out when somebody could might be use it if it might be the right combo? Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I'm going to bypass that one. All righty. Here's a really dynamite one. Starvation can lead to health hazards. That's a pretty good safe investment thought. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, once in a while, the night crew gets a little out of hand when they put together headlines for these things. Now, can, um, all right, so we did the pregnancy one. I'll do this one, too. I don't know what the date is on this, but the headline is, Bra celebrates a pair of historic milestones this year. Okay. A pair, a pair a of pair. milestones. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, well, that's the end. There were a couple that I deliberately avoided <laughs> because they were worse than the ones I, I just did. So, those are our fun stuffs for tonight. And I've got Paul Revere bloopers. I have to go through the bloopers and see. But Paul Revere. Oh, oh! I wanted to tell you that. The 23rd, March 23rd, Saturday when our show started, mm -hmm. in 1775 is when Patrick Henry declared, give me liberty or give me death. Uh, and you one. know, you know, he's one of my heroes. Yep. He is my hero. I looked so, it up. His home is still, it's a national monument, a manual landmark. Red Hill? Yep, so Patricia will put that on the list when we go to visit the state of Virginia. Yes, yes, we'll, we'll do Red Hill. We'll do I'm Red going Hill. to sneeze. Hold on.
Cause I've never, I've never been to George Washington home. I we missed that. We had to skip that on my trip back there one time. So we have, uh -huh. to, we have to put that on the list. We have to put an awful lot on the list because I haven't been anywhere. Well, we're gonna have a good time then. We got, we got the state of Virginia. I know high in your priority, so we'll do Patrick Kennedy, George Washington, and Thomas Jefferson home. I think that'd be fun. That'll be fun. Mm -hmm. We, we got to do Patrick Henry. We will. Got to do Patrick Henry. All right. Now, uh, I'm going to do Paul Revere one night, but I have to tell you, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixty. He had sixteen kids. I think he was busy. He was busy. Yeah. Now, he was married twice. His first wife died. And I'm guessing, I don't know this for sure, but I'm guessing that she died in childbirth. Wow. And... Died in 1773, and he married his new one in 1773. So, was he married the first time that many years? 36 uh, to 73? So, uh -huh. 30, 36 years? That's what it says. So, maybe she died somewhat young, like in her 50s or something. Well, I am looking here. 1772. 1773. Okay, she had a baby in 1772. And I'll tell you how many. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. She had eight, and, and the new wife had eight. So she had a baby in 1772 and died in 1773. So she was still, you know? Uh-huh. Wow. I mean, I hope to tell you, that's a lot of babies. You think mama, mm. think mama has been pooped out already after the eighth kid? I mean, you you just, you have nothing left. Your hormones and everything it might be just totally out of wax. I mean, you, you just you support a baby for nine months, and then you take care of it. You go through birth, and then you take care of the baby for nine months, and babies died. You know, not all of them survived. Yeah. Which is just a horrible, horrible thing for a mother to go through. I mean, it is for a father too, but I think for a mother, it it probably isn't. It has an additional burden. Well, coming from her body, it's so yeah. there's that emotional. Sure, it's and... a different kind of tie. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, one night we're going to go over Paul yeah. Revere because boy, did he have an interesting life. Yeah. From the go from a. Uh... Let's see, he was a, uh... Oh, he was everything. A smith. Uh, what kind of, um... A silversmith. No, silversmith, uh, and, he, yeah. and he made pewter. Uh, he did pewter. Paul Revere pewter. Wait a minute. Let me see. And, um, he was the second of at least nine children, and they think maybe there was... Uh, they had... Uh, his parents had 12 children, and he was the eldest surviving son. Wow. Um, education, marriage... What do we want here? Revolutionary War. We want to know what he did for a living. Hmm. Um, oh, here we go. 
Revere was educated in the North Reading School and learned the art of gold and silversmithing from his father. When he was 19 and nearly finished with his apprenticeship, his father died, leaving Revere as the family's sole source of income. He later volunteered to fight uh, fight the French uh, at Lake George, where he was commissioned as a second lieutenant. When he came back, he had two or three different all right, let me see. Responsible for the workmanship and alloy, took praise in his lifetime, regarded outstanding achievements, began his work as a copper plate engraver, produced illustrations for books and magazines, cartoons, book plates, etc. Not only cleaned teeth, he, he was advertised as a dentist, but wired false teeth carved from walrus ivory wow. or animal teeth. Contrary to popular myth, he did not make George Washington's false teeth. Fabricating a full set of dentures was beyond his ability. So those were all the things that this man did, which I find remarkable. Yep. In the 1700s, just remarkable. I mean, yep. People were out digging holes and growing potatoes. That's what people did in the 1700s. And look at what he did. Shoo-wee. That's true. So that's my story. We're going to go over some additional information about him one night. Perfect. Because yeah. my goodness, he had an interesting life. That might be a good thing to do one one year. One 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 night one one Saturday night we we focus on a, a one of our American revolutionary ancestors and do a little study. Mm-hmm. I think the family would enjoy that. Yeah, and there are so many things that we would love to do. And we love to talk to our family, mm-hmm. and if there's a choice, we take the family. You bet. So, yes, I, I think we might be able to set aside some time and, you know, not do a, do a textbook history, no, get some, but just, hit some of the highlights. Hit some highlight stuff. Yeah. Like Patrick Henry. Yep. She was, what, yep. what a courageous person. And I'll, I'll just go to my grave thinking about that. I don't know. I know I wouldn't. I, I'm confident I would not have had that kind of courage. I think you would have. Give me liberty or give me death? I think so. Well, he, he wasn't just saying that. He was really at risk of being killed. Yeah. I guess maybe. I don't know. Give me liberty or give me death. Life is so precious. I understand. But liberty is so precious. I understand. There are some things in life you give up. You give up. There are some you give things up your life, you life for. for. Yeah. At that time in our history, nobody knew what liberty was. They had never experienced nope. it. So nope. he was willing to give up his life for, for something for he had ide- never for, experienced. For an ideal. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he was right. Yeah. My goodness. My goodness. So he's one of my heroes. Terrific. Really like that man. He's one I I think I would have enjoyed sitting down and having dinner with. I'm not sure, though. I, uh, I just, I don't know. What, if you had him in front of you, what would you ask him? I think I would talk to him about the government. You know, he was headed, he was headed, he was headed to the state of Virginia. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the. Uh, I talked to him about 
representing it in the different uh, governments. You know, especially the uh, he's involved with I think at least two or three of the major um, major government structures. You know, to help get the country going. So it'll be definitely be politics. You know. Um, and I know he was a deeply religious man, and probably want to get his viewpoint on some of that, on on what he what he thought was important. And I think it'd be, and he well he well connected, so he knew everybody, and so he probably had great stories or re- reminiscences about all the founding fathers that he knew. Agreed. You know? I, on the other hand, would go in a different direction. Boy, between the two of us, we'd have everything covered. Uh Uh-huh. So what would would we cover? I would sit and ask him to talk with me about the signers of the Constitution one at a time. What made them do what they did, where did the courage come from, what was in his heart and his head when he said this to everybody in the House of, I guess it was in the House of Burgess that he did this? I think it was the House of Virginia. Ah. I think he was in this, when I read, there's a really nice uh, uh, rundown in Wikipedia when you were talking, I went and I think he did in the 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 state. Virginia House. Uh Okay. Oh, because, well, that would make sense. Because, everybody, you know, everybody was in Virginia at that point. That's true. Because remember how they did it? Each state sent their, uh, their delegates. Mm-hmm. And I think he, he wanted to be one of the delegates for the state of Virginia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would approach it from the people point of view and ask him to give me as much as he knew about all of the people what motivated them, why they felt this was so important, and what they hoped would stay after they died. You know, I got thinking a couple of seconds ago, it would be fun that Juan Patricia host little dinner parties for different times in history. So in other words, if we were if we were throwing a dinner party at Patricia's plantation in Virginia in uh, 1775, Maybe we invite seven to eight for dinner. Or you don't like a small dinner party. So maybe you invite three to four people over. And that way you can study four or five, three or or four Mm -hmm. at the same time and have them interact. That might be, for you as a writer, that might be a very very interesting way to observe. Watching and listening to them interact with each other Uh would tell me an awful lot. And you could throw Um, a couple questions in there and get different viewpoints. Mm Mm-hmm. It was so different. Mm-hmm. The people who created what we love and appreciate today were so diverse. Well, just think if you would have had Patrick Henry, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, and Benjamin Franklin for dinner. Very, <laughs> very eclectic. I, I'm eclectic. I, I'd be overwhelmed. Could, could we have one strong one and three sort of so-sos? At a okay, time. Okay. Who who would who would be who would be the right dinner mix? Because I think all four. I think Jefferson would have been somewhat the quiet one, and I think it would have been you would have spurned the aura of Benjamin Franklin. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking 
Patrick Henry and John Adams have been very strong. That's very my strong. Answer. And Jefferson probably wouldn't accept the invitation because he was so shy yeah. and so withdrawn. So I'm I'm not sure he would accept the invitation. Okay. He also had a speech impediment. Oh. I can't. It wasn't a lisp. It might have been a stutter that just made him so terribly uncomfortable in social settings that he avoided them at all costs. It's amazing how I mean, far, uh, he, how far yeah. he went in government then. To think I know, I know, and how much he accomplished. Yeah. But it took him forever to propose to his wife. I mean, it, it was well, years. You know, you female can do that to us guys. You know that. Well, he did it, and it, it, it was what he started with. It wasn't her fault. <laughs> I swear it wasn't her fault. But in those days, uh, a woman couldn't say, all right, look, we've been doing this for 16 years. <laughs> Don't yeah. you think it's time we got married? I yeah. mean, women yeah. just you, didn't you do that. Tom, you've been taking me dinner over to your family place for 16 straight years. Yes, yes, and I've been cooking dinner for your mother. <laughs> Um, it, it was interesting. So I, I was really very surprised when I learned that he was so reserved and so uncomfortable in social settings, and yet he was one of our most influential presidents. Well, you know, it makes you wonder. If we had TV back in those days, would history been the same? In other words, you know, how much we depend on TV and how people appear on television is how we elect our leaders. The leaders that we have back the then... Physical, yes, the physical appearance makes a huge difference. Or, or the speaking or the, uh, mm -hmm. it's a, it's like an order or the, the persuasiveness. You know, yes. um, we These might guys that... I'm sorry... We might not have the same types of leaders. Running, no, running the and you know we wouldn't. No, it, it, somebody like a Thomas Jefferson. Right. They say, "How come he's not saying anything? Mm. He looked wonderful on paper, and that's what people had to go on. Right. Information that passed from person to person, as right. opposed to having an opportunity on mass to listen to him, where you know, everybody had a chance to listen to him. Right. And he, it, it would have put him away. He'd never make it. Nope. And look what we would have missed. The Constitution, a president. Yep. Quite a few things. An architect. Declaration. The yeah. uh, University of Virginia, you know, founded because of, his, because of him and his library. Mm-hmm. And his library. My gosh, he owned more books and had a larger library than any place in the country. Yeah. Wow. And we would have missed him. Yep. We never would have had him as a president. Well, Who did he run against? He ran against John Adams. And so either way, we would have won. Well, he beat him. Uh, well, see, I don't even know if we would have had George Washington. You know, everything I've read about George was not yeah. the most verbal no. person. And he didn't want to be president to begin with. And then you had John Adams, who was a strong-headed type. That might turn a lot of people off. Wow. And My then, goodness. And, and, and James, of one James, of them, just 
and again James Madison. Ah, he's mm-hmm. too short. He's born in five foot four. And so many of the others were very tall. Right. And when I say very tall, by today's standards, they would simply be, gosh, he's really, he's nice, he's tall. Mm-hmm. But by those standards, they were giants in in colonial times. Right. Now, Washington was 6'2". Right. And a couple of others were over six feet tall. So, my goodness. Boys. And if one of them, just one of them, had lost to his opponent the entire domino series, we'd, we'd be feeling the effects for the rest of our country's history. You bet. Hmm. You bet. My goodness. We could talk about this forever, couldn't we? And we probably could. And we probably would if we had time. <laughs> so are we ready to call it a good morning? We David? are ready to toss it in, call it a night, oh, and um, tell everybody we'll be back in time for Easter next week. You bet. We'll have, we'll, we'll have good stuff for next Saturday slash Sunday. Uh-huh. We'll have Easter traditions and... Easter celebrations and different countries. We have a whole bunch of stuff. And Walden's going to come back with vernal equinox and autumnal equinox and winter and summer solstice information. I will send those two words. <laughs> and Paul is going to come back with everybody's liver doing work. Um, and what are you going to do? I'm going to sit back and wait for the information to come in. <laughs> I mean, really, I have to do all of the Easter stuff. That's right. So you're just you're just helping to make a better show. Okay, that sounds good. Yeah. Are we ready? We're ready. We're ready. It's time for us to say good night, everybody. Thank you for being with us, and honest to goodness, we'll be back next week. Good night, Walden. Good night, Patricia. We love you all very, very much. Talk to you Sunday. They've burst your pretty balloon and taken the moon away. It's time to wind up the masquerade. Just make your mind The piper must be paid. The party's over. The candles flicker and dim. You danced and dreamed through the night. It seemed to be right. Just being with him Now you must wake up All dreams must end Take off your makeup The party's over It's all over.
For Windows is ready. Welcome to Skype. Press insert escape. Boot app. Task bar internet. Hold F4. Shut down with sleep. Restart. Enter. doing well it is uh, Sunday night March the 24th of 2013 Palm Sunday and it's gonna be a somewhat of a shorter show than normal I expect that I have to go to a business meeting sometime after when Do Dr. Michael and I are done so we won't have all our normal features afterwards so just be on the guard of that we do have our monthly presentation of the Radio Historical Association of Colorado coming up next. Let's hear a prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for the opportunity of being here. Bless all the listeners. Thank you for looking forward to Holy Week, Easter, and the day that, the Lord, your, that your son rose from the dead. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Alright, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for OTR from the Rockies. From the foot of the Rockies in Denver, Colorado, here's a program capturing the drama and fun of the golden days of broadcasting. Old-time radio from the Rockies. Hello, this is Fred Hobbs. I'm speaking to you from the radio studios of RHAC, the Radio Historical Association of Colorado. And we're here to bring you interviews, historical information, book reviews, events, and fun for all on old-time radio, especially related to the Rocky Mountain region because that's where we're located. This time, it's two by two. 
two old-time radio shows with husband and wife teams solving crimes in the midst of some light-hearted banter. And here to tell us what these programs are and to get our show underway for this time is our good friend Bill McCracken from the Radio Historical Association of Colorado. Bill, do you want to tell us uh, what the names of both shows now, or you want to wait till uh, do them one by one because we talk about two by two? Well, let's do both at the same time, and then I'll tell you how alike they were. How would that be? That would be great. The first show we're going to do today is The Adventures of the Thin Man, and our second show is Mispsite, org. Just click on the show tab and enjoy. And as always, thanks to Bill Bragg and Walden Hughes, who make it possible for old-time radio from the Rockies to be heard here on Yesterday USA. Now this is Fred Hobbs, your online host, saying goodbye and good radio. This is RHAC, the Radio Historical Association of Colorado. Okay, we're going to get home. Michael Beal? We're going to only be on for about another hour or so. I got a business meeting to go to. Um. Jaws for Windows, Skype trademark. Skype status on. Selected Bill Brad, Ivan, Jerry, Jimmy Will, John Gat, Kansas, Larry Gat, Michael Beal online, Michael.Beal applications, contact, send IM, send SMS, send contacts, dot, 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 send file, dot, dot, send voice message, share screens, dot, invite a group call, enter, leaving menus, Michael Beal online. Unloading jaws, can't, okay. Okay. Anyway, um... That's, that's the monthly offering from the Radio Historical Association of Colorado. Yeah, that's great. You steal 17 of my minutes and say we can only be on for an hour. Yeah, true. <laughs> well, when money gets got an emergency call, to get ready for some <laughs> some investment bankers. So I have to go in an hour. So we got we got an hour and 13 minutes, Mike. Ah, okay. Then well, I got to I... leave. <laughs> <laughs> you can do. You can hold the rest of the show without me if you want to, but I gotta leave it now. <laughs> I know because I can't. I can't switch it back to uh, Texas. Uh, <laughs> you can only call my cell phone, and I can do it for you from the from the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I just uh, I just on Facebook I just um, uh, forwarded a, a graphic of. Uh, the MGM logo, which instead of the line, I forwarded this to Ron Hutchinson of the uh, Vitaphone Project. Uh-huh. That, uh huh. That has the, the M, instead of the MGM lion has Grumpy Cat. <laughs> and, at the, and at the bottom it says, This is going to be a lousy movie. <laughs> so uh-huh. I, I, I'm waiting to see what his reaction is going to be to. Uh, <laughs> to that one, I'll tell you a couple. Yeah. I've, I've got an important copyright uh, case to uh, to talk about, Perfect. and then we also, and then we also have to talk about uh, uh, 
1938 shows with um, with bolts and break-ins. Okay, great. I'll I'll uh, you know that uh, the Gaspins might be chiming in on some of that stuff, but the um, um, yeah, if uh, not, I, I know if not, they're packing early to leave for Colorado in the morning, so they should be listening to it. So John and Larry, keep it. Yeah, I know they, they they told me that. Yeah, that, yeah. I, I I got I got. Oh, let, let me start with this. I got to speak with them last night. Well, I didn't get to speak with you. Well, that's true. You, you, kid. I think you, with poor Patricia, when I bring when I bring uh, so many people on board, she said, "Wall, don't you ever do that to me." The, the one time when we were on Skype, I, we we brought six people on at the same time to have a to interact. The poor thing, poor thing, have <laughs> promised that I'd never do that to her again. So all I all I wanted to do was add to your list of lousy shows. Oh. Well, you're gonna have so, to, you're gonna ha- we're gonna have to have you you're gonna ha- we're gonna have to have you come on next Saturday night and add it to the list. Well, I could add it to the list right now. Okay. You just remembered to tell her that. <laughs> you're gonna make me work. Okay. Okay. And, and, and the thing is, you know, the, the you know they you know John and Larry said, oh, of course. Why didn't we think of that yeah. when I mentioned it? Louis Hungry Five. Uh, I seen an. I think we got a article written on that on the upcoming Spurvac website. Okay, so that's a that's a <laughs> nomination of Michael Beale. Okay. Yes, it's okay. A, it is it is a truly awful series. It was um after uh after the Chicago Tribune completely screwed up by not allowing. Carell and Gosden to syndicate <laughs> Sam and Henry. Uh-huh. And the show, of course, as Amos and Andy first in syndication and then on NBC, you know, what was, uh, you know, you know the, the most popular show on radio. They, you know, they realized that they had really screwed up and they figured, okay, we got to get into the syndication business. Right. And so what they did was they came up with, and apparently, according to Elizabeth, uh, the two guys that that uh, are the um, main voices in the program were the ones that GN used as a salmon as salmon Henry replacements that just fell flat on their faces in 1928. Wow. Okay. And I, I don't know the uh, the details. I wonder, if, you know, she might have it in her book, but I remember her talking about it in a uh, in a posting last year. So the uh, the uh, you know, so instead they put together Louis Hungry Five, which was about a German American umpa band. <laughs> Led by Louie, and it was Louie's Hungry Five. And there would always be somewhere in the, uh, in, in the program, there would be an umpop piece that the, that the band would play. These are on 12-inch Marsh uh, Laboratory uh, Pressings, which was the company that started uh, the, the first, uh, uh, re- was the first company at the start of the uh, 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 Amos and Andy syndication. Wow. You know, for all of 1928, 
uh, through January and February of 29. Then they switched over to Brunswick, which had been working uh, with syndication with the National Radio Advertising Company. But uh, I guess uh, um, Brunswick being loyal, <laughs> they, uh, the Tribune, and it doesn't say WGN. It says, you know, the, on the labels, Tribune, uh, uh, Chicago Tribune Company syndication services, something like that. Wow. And so uh, uh, I've got a bunch of them. Uh, you know, they, they've, they've shown up all over the place. Okay. And, uh, and they are uniformly lousy. So we need, <laughs> we need to make sure we can get Patricia a copy of that to feature on the Friday night show then. Okay, that's... She got, she, you know, she got a feature now from 10 to 10.30 Eastern, and she features the worst of the worst. And so, there's no copy of it floating around. We're going to have to find one. That way she can put it up there. Well, I think that there should be, uh, okay. I think there should be some MP3s that uh, that some people have, uh, have, have put up. Somewhere. So that you know, so okay, so that, that that's what I was, I just wanted to, because actually I was on the phone with Leah. Well, yeah. Uh, having, you know, she had just retrieved her computer for the second time from repair, and we were trying to put the McAfee on and was having problems because, uh, you know, she starts off the, the computer. I said, well, the first thing I want to do is put the McAfee on. We should have done that, you know, uh, you know weeks ago. Right. And so when, uh, uh, you know, she starts doing it and Windows decides to update. Uh, yep. So, you know, without telling us, without having any way to stop the update, and yep. so that screwed uh, the the McAfee up. So she was, you know, so I was on the phone with her, yep. and I said, "Oh, I've just got to call in. I'll be back in a, in a couple of minutes." And of course, I got waylaid, you know, or you got waylaid by like a half hour phone call. Yep. <laughs> I had a go back so i went back to you know, so that's all i wanted to do is just say for you know, <laughs> you, know, for, you know 45 seconds you know about that i also wanted to ask john and larry uh it, you know give them heads up and, yeah. and give and give you heads up uh on this uh, we got some emails let me see if i can uh do another search on uh on this uh from a producer um, of a, uh, probably of a film, uh, who wanted to know if, uh, uh you know, first of all, if, if, uh, we, we could supply, and this was, uh, through, well, you might've gotten the, uh, the email also, uh, cause I think it was in Martin Graham's research group, you know, that, uh, you know, that, you know, and, and I think you're in the, uh, in the the listing. Okay. I, as, if so, I, if 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 I haven't seen it, it might gone to my spam. I haven't looked in two or three days. So okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me let me uh, you know discuss this anyway. Yeah. It's from a fellow. Um, I've got it here. Um, Rich Remsburg, and uh, let's see what the company name is. Rich Remsburg Image Research, in North Adams, Massachusetts. Mm. Um, and his email is rich at atlasfilms.org. So uh, he had originally asked, um, uh, and, and Jim Widner had uh, had had uh, given him some uh, you know some replies. But I came back and I said, 
I know of two sets of discs. And I will forward this message on to um, to those uh, people. And uh, already Dick Lang, uh, uh, David Lang, uh, David Lenick has responded to him, and I hadn't realized. I'd forgotten who was the second person we were discussing. Um, uh, the, uh, the the 12-inch 78s, which was the Harry Smith uh, set of discs, which we think were Wells's own set, uh, and. Um, the uh, other set was a 16-inch set, which was dubbed in 1948 and is marked on the label from radio recorders as being a 19, 1948, rather, 1948 dub. So um, uh, Lennox had those discs, and he gave, I hadn't realized this last part, he gave them to his brother for his birthday a few years ago. So he's not sure whether his brother still has them. Right to try to you know get a hold of them to do a retransfer of them and uh, uh, and also get photos of the uh, of the uh, the label I'm not sure if the other uh, person who you know also mm-hmm. has contacted him what series is it is it the uh, Norton Welsh Mercury theater thing or what no uh, oh what uh, what they want to do yeah what 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 series are they looking for Oh, we're talking about War of the Worlds. Okay, I figured out. I just wanted to make sure everybody was on the same page. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah right. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So, the um, uh, thing is, I think that the discs which Lennox had were ones which were being peddled around to a lot of people. I had gotten inquiries about them like about 10, 15 years ago. And Elizabeth also has uh, had gotten inquiries, and she might have had a chance to see the discs. Was that the one I floating? Did. Was that the one? The picture was floating on eBay a few years ago. You think? Wasn't there a set uh, on eBay? No, the, no, the the set that was on eBay is the, you know, like two years ago. Okay. Is the is the Harry Smith Recording Studio set? Yeah. Twelve inch seventy eights. Yeah. And we know we know who got them. Yeah. I already have, have transfers of them. Okay. Lennox and I and the other person. I'm not. I'm mentioning his name right now because uh, Rich Remsburg might be, uh, you know, says, said he might be listening in, yeah. and uh, the other person has not uh, told me yet that he has contacted uh, uh, that he has contacted contacted Rich, but I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. He's yeah. very open to the fact that uh, that he has those discs, and you know, as I say, a lot of us know yeah. that uh, that he has uh, that he has the discs. Um, he had sent me a picture of side one, and that's one of the things that's on the, my failed drive that I can't get to. Oh no! Okay. So uh, you know, so he says, well, he's he's going to uh, uh, make a set of pictures of the uh, of each of the labels and and get them out uh, to me. You know, I uh, I have all of the pictures that I've taken. Right. Uh, it's just the pictures that people have sent me or that I've downloaded from like eBay that I don't have. And the thing is, the pictures that people have sent me, I think, are probably on Leah's computer. Okay. So uh, so I might be able to get all of those because that includes all of the stuff from the album cover research. Right. So, um, uh, you know, I don't want to have to pull my pictures out from the... Um, 
uh, from the PowerPoint because uh, th that that has reduced the um, uh, you know the the uh, quality of the picture right. when they go to the when they go on to uh, you know to PowerPoint. So uh, you know I, I might have to go back and say, okay, people, send them to me again. <laughs> yeah. But I. But I, th I, I should have all of, I think I forwarded all the emails with the attachments for safekeeping on Leah's computer. Okay. So I think that I should be able to get all of, um, all, all of the important uh, pictures. And I might even have the, uh, the picture from, uh, uh, you know, from, from this War of the World set. But now, the other thing that Rich is looking for is, he says, our top, well, he was looking for some pictures of people that were in the show, and I've got to find his uh, original email. Well, to the, get... there's, one, there's still one live cast member, everybody. William Hurd's is still alive. Oh. There's still one live cast member of that show. I had him on as a guest about two, three years ago. And you remember, he used to attend the FOTR convention. He was part of that Julius Caesar production. Oh. He was the one that played the Orson Welles part. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he goes to New York. Alrighty. And I do have a phone number. So, so if we need, if he wants to, if he, if he wants a live cast member, he was the one that played the uh, ham radio operator of the Wars of the World broadcast. 2X2L, calling uh -huh. CQ. Yep. 2X2L, big part, yep. yes. Yeah, <laughs> so that's William Hurts and H-E-R-Z. And uh, that's he's the only last surviving cast member of that broadcast. Mm. So, it, it, but what what he says is our top priority is finding radio shows interrupted by radio bulletins circa 1938. He said, I understand this was not yet a common practice in 1938, which is not quite true. Mm -hmm. But do you know of do you know of any recordings? He said, Library of Congress is a handful of catalog entries in the NBC collection that look as though they might fit the bill, but we're interested in all we can find. So I figure between you yeah. and, and the Gasmans, we probably could find just about everyone that is in existence. Well, it's interesting. Um, Lux Radio Theater, September 26, 1938, the, uh, the one with um, seven... Key to ball faith, the one at Jack Benny. Uh, oh. They did. They made the announcement just before the broadcast that this show will be interrupted for any overseas wartime bulletin, because this is during the uh, Munich crisis. The Munich, the Munich crisis. Right. Yes. So there's there's one right off the bat, September 26th of 38. One of them right off the bat. Um, I'm gonna keep my head thinking. I, um, because uh, there are. There are well, I'm, I'm, I think maybe this is an announcement at the time of D-Day, where NBC says they're going to be on all night yeah. and uh, interrupt uh, or, or will you know interrupt with bulletins. Uh, but but that's not 1938, of course. That's 1944. Right. I'm not sure if there is anything that is specifically mentioning something like that in. Uh, in 38, you know, well, see, I, I guess I know John Larry and I have some of the, the newscasts of 38, you know, with Hitler coming in and they sort of break into normal programming. 
but that's not really what she's looking for. Um, I'll just give it some thought. There's probably some others. Yeah. So, uh, um, you know, but, you know, I'm sure that there are, you know, that there are a bunch of them because, for example, they had H.V. Kaltenborn over at CBS sleeping in Studio 9 on a cot mm -hmm. so that he would be available at any time. And, he, of course, he, he writes about that in his book. You know, a good idea, um, and this is the easy way to might check it, Golden, on his site, Radio Gold Index, now has a search by dates and years. So we could, and, and the nice thing about Golden's site, he does detailed analysis of everything he has. So you could look up 1938 and each day broadcast, and he'll have a little write-up. And that would be the, probably the fastest way to come up with other broadcasts. Mm. And, of course, the point would be to hope that somebody over the years had... Uh bought that from David Correct. and has, liber has liberated it. Since, although, of course, for a professional project like this, you know, you know for, for screen credit... <laughs> well, you know, the best way, you know who Dave Golden's best buddy is. A good, right. a good friend of yours and mine. Dave Siegel. Oh, so, yeah. you know, okay. so that might be the yeah. best way to get in the Sweet Hawk Golden to helping out. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, you, 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 you might be better off leaving my name out, though. <laughs> That's true. But I, I'm thinking if he wants some help, Dave Siegel might be the man to toss the Golden about it. Yeah. Um, but but I, th I, I, you know... You know, David is still approachable. You know, you know, for you know, the, you know, the point is he doesn't he doesn't want to go back into business. Correct. And uh, his uh, his non-competitive deal with Radio Spirits has expired by now, right? Yep, it should be done. It was a ten-year deal. Even even our friend Carl Murray is done. So he's thinking about getting back into radio bits. <laughs> Carl? Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. Good. <laughs> good luck. Good luck, Carl. Yeah, but the thing is, you know, you're talking when you talk about Carl Amari and David Golden in the same sentence, you're 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 talking about the two most litigious people in the business. Mm -hmm. That the you know that uh, ruffled so many feathers. Mm -hmm. And put so many people unnecessarily out of business. Right. You know, in the back in the uh, back in the eighties. Right. So. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, but you know, you know, it, it's true. It is a good idea to find uh, to find the listings of what programs you might be looking for, and then be able to uh, to and, go and hunt. And, and the nice thing about it, Jerry Hendricks does have eighty percent of Golden stuff, so. And then we know Seagull has a ton. So there's one way or another. We can use Golden Sight and we can cross-reference and kick it around a month. We could probably find most of everything that Rich is looking for. 
Who did you say has 80%? The... Uh, Joey Hendigas. Oh, oh, Jerry. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, right. You know, Jerry, Jerry's your... Uh, yeah. Is your stuff still in Jerry's garage? It sure is. <laughs> sure is. Hey, he's making progress. And uh, <laughs> now, poor Jerry, you know, we're, we're moving ahead on other stuff. But, uh, yeah, it's still over there. Yeah, I know, and some of your stuff is over in the Gasman's garage yeah, too. From, from what they from what they were talking about last night. <laughs> and I have my mom working too. She she's doing C D transfers too. We're moving everything to hard drive. Uh -huh. Then we're gonna back it up four times. That's how we're gonna play this game. Yeah. You know. Well, let me so I'm trying thinking, do we, oh, yeah, I've got one other story, then we'll get to the copyright case, okay. which is very important. Um, I did a Jack Benny uh, shopping trip a couple of days ago. Index 602 refers explicitly to the 106 exclusive distribution right. And as has and has just been said, by its terms, 106 is subject to the various doctrine and principles contained in 107 through 122, including the first sale. So do the same modifications apply in particular? Does the first sale modification apply? when considering whether 602 prohibits importing a copy. So they continue on here, and they talk about several other cases, including one they're called Quality King. Um, but I want to read another article, and then we'll let you go. Okay. This is something which... Uh, Oklahoma was on the Oklahoma State University site, and uh, it, you know, filed by the uh, the radio station KOSU. And uh, is it legal to sell your old MP3s? Say you bought a textbook in another country where textbooks are cheap, then you bring the book back to the U.S. and sell it at a profit. Did you break the law? No, you didn't. In a ruling that came down yesterday, the Supreme Court ruled in favor of a student who had his friends and relatives buy textbooks in Thailand, which he later resold in the U.S. on eBay. The ruling was a key moment in something called the first sale doctrine, which says if you buy something that's copyrighted, you're allowed to sell or otherwise dispose of it without the permission of the copyright owner. The publishing industry was, not surprisingly, unhappy with the decision. The Association of American Publishers put out a statement which said, the court's interpretation of the first sale provision of U.S. copyright law will discourage the active export of U.S. copyrighted works. It will reduce the ability of educators and students in foreign countries to have access to U.S. produced educational materials widely considered the world's gold standard. The ruling means you can't have a ghost of copyright following the object around 
and policing it, says Jason Schultz, a law professor at UC Berkeley, who filed an amicus brief on behalf of the student. When I talked to him yesterday, it's a KOSU uh, writer, he told me the case has important implications for interpreting first sale doctrine in the digital world. A literal case in point, if you buy a song off of iTunes, can you turn around and sell it to someone else? There's a company called Redigi, that's R-E capital D-I-G-I, that it's basically a digital version of a used record store. You sell them your old MP3s, and you can buy used MP3s that other people have sold. Capital Records is suing Redigi for copyright infringement. The complaint alleges that Redigi makes and assists its users in making systematic, repeated, and unauthorized reproductions and distributions of the plaintiff's copyrighted sound recordings. Redigi says what it's doing is perfectly legal under the first sale doctrine. The company argues that you own the songs and you should be able to resell them just like you can a physical CD. It says its technology can ensure compliance with copyright law. First, by verifying that you legally own a song. And then by removing all traces of the song from your computer and synced devices once you decide to sell it. Now, I used to tell kids in class, you're allowed to sell a CD as long as you, do, you have not burned another copy of it that you keep or, or, uh, or ripped it onto your computer without having deleted it. You know, because if you, um, you know, although you're allowed to rip a copy of it or make a, uh, uh, or burn another copy of it for your own use, what you have is, it had originally been one copy, now it's two copies or three copies, but still owned by the same person. If you turn around and sell either one of those copies or the original, you now have two or three copies owned by two different people. The second person not having purchased it from the original company. If, however, you don't have another copy of it, it still is only owned by one person. It's owned by a different person, but it's still only owned by one person. Going back to the article, the company argues, uh, or um, let's see, the company argues that you own the songs and you should be able to resell it just like you can a, okay, okay, I've read that one, okay. Yesterday's Supreme Court ruling only covers physical copies of copyrighted works, and its implications for digital resale are unclear. But Schultz says the ruling could sway the judge in the Redigi case. The decision says first sale is really important and has always been part of the law. I think it will push him to find a way for Redigi to work to find a way forward for them 
that copyright allows, Schultz says. Of course, ReDigi isn't the only company planning for the new digital resale future. Both Apple and Amazon recently, recently applied for patents, which would allow users to resell digital content like ebooks, music, and movies to other users. According to the New York Times, both patents call for the seller to lose access to the file after the transfer has occurred. And so for more information about the textbook case, so check out this report from our colleague Nina Totenberg, which is an, uh, you know, an NPR uh, story that she apparently had done. So there you have it. Things are happening. Yes. And uh, it was, you know, we'll probably be discussing this a little bit at uh, ARSC. Uh, you know, when you know, we'll be having more uh, information about copyright uh, at ARSC, and that's in uh, in, 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 May. in May. May. And uh, we'll see what information is coming out of there. We we did discuss a few weeks ago the um, uh, Library of Congress's uh, report on on copyright, didn't we? We did, yeah. We're, we're good on that. And, you know that that's that's the major thing, which actually one of the articles here does uh, uh, you know does bring up, up that the Library of Congress has been working on finding ways for uh, um, copying and distribution of early works, uh, orphan works for one where the copyright holder is unknown or not in existence, but also works that have been abandoned, you know, use it or lose it, and things like that. So, uh, you know, that's, that's another factor that uh, uh, there was not part of this particular case because these are uh, new items and current items, very current items, apparently. Uh, he wasn't selling used books. He was selling new books. I think at this point, we will let you go. That's right. I am waiting for my uh, ride. I'm going to go and have a business meeting. And pretty important because it could affect a lot of things in this hobby. So I will, once I can announce it publicly, you will know why I had to leave early. So with that, Michael, I will talk to you next Sunday. And uh -oh. everybody, I will talk to you next weekend. And Bill, Mike, and thank you, underscore Bill, just in case if, uh, we need the extra time, you're going to be able to handle the station. But I think we're safe. So with that, Mike, good night. All right. Good night. Good night. Michael, put a little Bill music in here. As we're doing that, here we go. When I was just a little girl, I asked my mother, what will I be? Will I be pretty? Will I be rich? Here's what she said to me. Que sera, sera.
será, será What will be, will be When I grew up and fell in love I asked my sweetheart what lies ahead Will we have rainbows day after day Here's what my sweetheart said the sound card and then we're good I've got um, what time is it now? we're good I've got till about 915 or 1215 before I have to be done so we can get as much done as we can now why am I getting a hum oh, I was turning the long thing down I'm sorry Jill. just say again Okay, I've got two minute shows for one week. Okay. And a half hour show for a second week, and okay. that's all I was able to get done. Oh, uh, that's that's good. That, so that's good. I guess we're yeah. we're just about on track with the amount of time then. Yeah, that's good. Okay, uh, just yell at me when you want. I'm ready. Okay, I'll do the two fifteen minute ones first. Anytime. Okay. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another weekly treat that brings you a sample from Patricia's file of really awful shows. I'm Patricia. Each week, I choose one or two of the best of the worst from my growing collection of shows that are so bad they are fun to hear. This week, I have a double treat, two 15-minute soap operas that somehow made it to the microphone. The first is an episode from a show called Wife. Wanted. Wife Wanted was a 1939 soap opera that featured an unseen character, a widower named Norman Howard. It is sometimes confusing and thankfully short a show. Howard is searching for a wife by various means, primarily through a newspaper advertisement, which has brought an avalanche of 9,000 replies. Norman Howard's friend, Bob Nolan, has responsibility for screening applicants 
investigating the candidates and replying to some of the women who are on the hunt for a husband. Oh my goodness, are they on a hunt. So this is supposedly based on real life and real letters. Wife Wanted is one of the most extraordinary examples of a bad storyline, worse scripting, and supremely awful acting, mostly on the part of the actor who plays the friend Bob Nolan. The sound quality in this isn't great. You can hear some scratching and clicking that often shows up in old recordings, but Wipe Wanted is so awful that I think your ears might forgive the artifacts. Here is the episode titled, Letters from Omaha, Nebraska, Santa Monica, Roanoke, Virginia, and Jewish Lady in Canada from the 1939 show, Wipe Wanted. I'll be back in about 12 or 13 minutes. Welcome back. One of the transcriptions of this show, transcription meaning the actual recording, of the episode titled Mystic's Wife had a copyright label that included, and this is a quote, all rights to this story as a whole or in part are fully reserved by Robert E. Callahan and subject to all rights, individual, exclusive broadcasting, including reproduction in any form, including literary, date, motion picture rights, and I say there is no worry there. There isn't a soul in the world who would want to appropriate this material. Anyway, um, that's it for, oh, no, it isn't. I'm sorry, Larry, cut that out. Can you do that? Oh, yeah. Not okay. Uh, I need to go to Nona from nowhere. I, I did an ending on the wrong one here. So just go ahead and pick it up. Okay. The next treat we have for tonight is an episode from Nona from nowhere. Um, this Nona was not exactly a gripping soap opera, and I wasn't the only one who thought that because it only lasted from January 1950 to January 1951. That was kind of unusual for a soap opera. They tended to last a, a long time. I put this in my awful file because of the incredibly improbable storyline and almost cartoonish characters whose evil ways and terrible intentions surrounded this pure, sweet little Nona, who was a young woman from nowhere who had been adopted years earlier. How's that for a storyline? Now, in all fairness, old-time radio soap operas truly were admission tickets to theaters of the mind. And they provided intermissions, I would call them intermissions, from daily routines. They created images of tangled love lives and devotional cat fights for women listeners who happened to be users of household soap. So, soap operas. Nona from Nowhere was sponsored by the old-time cleanser Babo and a couple of other things, but Babo was the primary sponsor. There's virtually nothing available about Babo out there. But there are some wonderful and wonderfully politically incorrect ads on YouTube if you want to take a trip up there and even just listen to them. And I did find out that Babo was one of many products put out by B. Abbott, soap manufacturer, who had established a company in New York City in 1836 and subsequently had some fabulously intriguing history, including some embezzlement. Anyway, I'm ready to take my lumps for this, uh, for putting it in my really awful show collection, because I know a lot of people love old soap operas, this one included. 
Nonetheless, for your consideration, here is an episode from Nona from Nowhere. The date is February 10th, 1950. Welcome back. If you think something about Nona from Nowhere sounds a little bit familiar, you are right. Nona was created by Anne and Frank Hummert, who also created Orphans of Divorce, which we played a few weeks ago. The theme of both shows was the same. It's I'll Take You Home Again, Kathleen, a wonderful Irish song. There is absolutely nothing in either show that links the song to the dramas or links the dramas to each other, except that the song was written in 1875 and therefore in the public domain and therefore free to the creators. One night, as I said earlier, we can talk about the Hummerts, um, who could make the best of everything, anything that was free. But for tonight, I have to say good night. Thanks for being with us at Yesterday USA. Be well, be safe, and have a wonderful week. Okay, good. Is that good? Um, yep. Nona from Nowhere has a lot of music, and it's a pretty short show. So yeah, um, it, we should be okay on time. I don't know. You're you're so good on that. I can't wait for you to hear "Wife Wanted." I don't know if I've heard it. I I think I may have it, but I'm not sure. You probably ought to send it to me just in case. I I will. I'll send all three of these. Okay. Um, but I found 21 episodes of "Wife Wanted," so if you are suitably gagging by the time you finish listening to it, I mean it's really intriguing, especially the Jewish lady. Um, you know. <laughs> I think I'll send you the rest of them. Okay, are we ready for the 30-minute one? Uh-huh. Okay. Hi, everybody. Welcome to what is likely the most unusual shows on the air. You won't hear anything great on this show because my delight is collecting old-time radio programs that were so bad they are downright fun. I'm Patricia, the person with the collection that I have titled some really awful shows, and each week I pick a treat to make your ears smile. This time it's an episode from Tales of Tomorrow. Apparently I'm not the only person who thought that this show didn't exactly resonate. The uh, Tales of Tomorrow ran from January 1st to April 9th, 1953, about three months, dead and buried. Tales of Tomorrow, which is different from the TV version, featured stories that were adapted from Galaxy Fiction Magazine. The magazine was very successful. It published for 30 years from 1950 to 1980. But stories that are meant to be read don't always adapt well to other forms. However, tonight I can't even be that forgiving in ever and never humble opinion. I don't think Ernest Hemingway could have rescued this particular piece of fiction. The is okay, the sound effects are good, but the story about a mechanical homicide preventer flying overhead, programmed to kill in order to prevent killing, earned those place in my awful collection. As always, you be the judge and I'll be back. Welcome back. Did you recognize the voice of the host? Very good. It was Raymond Edward Johnson, the same voice that welcomes us into the shows for the Inner Sanctum. Well, that's it for tonight. I'll be back next week with more goodies from my collection of really awful shows. 
You can find out how you can get your very own awful shows if you join Walden Hughes and Patricia, that's me, on Saturday nights at 10.30 Eastern, right here on Yesterday USA. Good night, everybody. Have a great week. Cool. I did bad. How so? I did bad because I avoided saying Friday, but I didn't avoid saying good night. Well, that's okay because it's usually heard, even on the weekend, it's heard often, most times in the evening. It's okay. Okay. All right. I'll be, I'll be more careful next time. So uh, that's it. That's my whole uh, routine uh, here. Clip out good night if you want. Uh, Yeah. Say what? I said I can clip out good night if you want. Oh yeah. You can, you can chop that one out. I probably shouldn't have even put it in there. Usually, Bill uh, dumps these in after Walden actually says goodbye on Friday. Uh-huh. In fact, them on Saturdays after you guys go off, he frequently will have top five stuff going. Okay. okay. Even on Sunday. So, I mean, I don't know if it's on at other parts of the day. Probably not. But it's on usually after this, the live shows have gone off. Okay. So, I don't think it matters. Patricia, you can keep them. You can keep them the way it is. It doesn't matter, but I was careful not to use Friday because I know that from Larry now that they run at different times. And then I forgot about good night because eventually something's going to work its way into a place where good night isn't appropriate. Well, even during same time, same station, we're so used to saying good evening or good night. Yeah, hi there. (laughs) Hi there really works well. So, I have to send you some. not Tales of Tomorrow, the uh, Life Wanted yeah. is priceless. If this was really based on a, on a real-life situation... Is it, which one is it? Is that the one you wanted? Yeah, the bird. The other bird, 219 and 53. February 19. 53. And, then, and the correct title of it is... The uh, Watchbird. The Watchbird. Right. <laughs> the title is... Oh, man. Yes, it goes with Mickey Mouse. Huh. Okay, I'm ready whenever you are. Okay. Um, earned a place at the end of the third paragraph just before we break. When I say, as always, you be the judge. Okay. Right after that. Here is the February 19th, 1953 episode of Tales of Tomorrow titled The Watchbird. Okay. Walden, the thing was coming down to kill a woman because she was going to swat a moth. Uh, well, that's good radio. Yeah. You know who should have been the narrator instead of Ed, Raymond Edward Johnson? Who? Arnold Moth. I don't know that name. I don't know that voice. Maybe I know the voice and didn't know the name. Actually, I, I should have said Arnold Moss, but I said Arnold Moth. What did he do? That's the one that you said he killed a moth? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I'm sorry. That went right past me, and it was good, too. It was good. Well, it was a very weird show. We'll have ants the next time. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Do you remember the show The the Man the Insects Hated from Mysterious Traveler? Yes, from 1947. Ah, that has got to be, in my mind, and I know I'm going to crash into people on this one, 
I think that is probably one of the worst mysterious travelers ever put together. I, I do, too. Oh, I my thought it was gosh. stupid. I mean, it, 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 well, anyway, it just wasn't. I'll go through my whole list. It, it was, yeah, it was, I thought it was garbage. It was terrible. And Mysterious Traveler was a high-end show. I mean, yep. it was good. I know. I don't know how this one sneaked in. Somebody's uncle <laughs> owed a nephew something. Wow. Wow. No, it, uh, it's pretty horrible. It, it was pretty awful. So... All right, well, that's my story. I'm sticking to it, and I am so grateful for all that you do, Larry. Truly, this is, and and then you went out of your way even more for me. That's okay. I had some time. Not a ton, but I had some time. You made the time is what you did, and I really appreciate it. So, okay, go go forth and enjoy what little is left of your night. Okay, yeah, I'll do that. Thanks, and I'm, I'll hang up. Walden? I'll call you back, Patricia. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. See you, Walden. All right. Be good. Okay. Bye. Bye. JAWS for Windows is ready. Welcome to Skype. Press insert plus H for a list of JAWS hotkeys that can be used within Skype. Skype trademark 20walden.use. Search page. Claim your free month before it expires. Unleash. Search page. Skype. Status online. Okay, everybody, we're going to take it back to the automation system. I got to get up early. I got an interview with Matthew Nelson, Ricky, one of Ricky Nelson's sons. Good night, everybody. Love you. Everybody. <laughs>
DOS for Windows is ready. Welcome to Skype. Press enter plus H for a list of DOS hotkeys that can be used within Skype. Skype trademark 20 open dot news. Search 50% off group video. Calls in 24 slash 7 with CH. Search page. Skype status online. No! You must wake up! Oh, dream! Menu escape. Leave it as. Ask for Notification. Show desktop app. Desktop big computer. Oh, Outlook Ruby. Oh, Outlook 20. Enter. Opening Microsoft Outlook. Inbox Personal Folders Microsoft Outlook. Listbox. Control Y. Go to Folder Level 1. Send Item. Deleted Item. Calendar. Contact. Journal. Junk Email. Note. Outbox. RSSD. Search Folder. Suggested. Task. Level 0. Enter. Listbox. Tab. Waldenki. Tab. Debut. Tab. Blank. Tab. Waldenki. Tab. Submit Search. Tab. Mail. Inbox. For Unread. Enter. Inbox. Waldenki. Visits. Global.net. Microsoft Outlook. Listbox. Unread. Verisensing. Read. Catalina. 9.52 p.m. 20 KB. right away the the pe- I guess we'll fast forward to the other side of the tape okay Oh, shit,